For over a week, the Ethiopian government forces, led by Prime Minister Ahmed Abi, have been fighting against the powerful regional governments in the countries north of the Tigray region. Hundreds have died due to this conflict, and thousands have been displaced to neighboring countries as government planes bomb targets in the Tigray region. It truly is a disheartening situation as there is no excuse for loss of life and livelihood. Today, we share a perspective on the current situation from Africans affected by it. This is not the only perspective on this situation and we urge our listeners to listen to other perspectives before forming your conclusion. It's a pot save Africa. Welcome to Pod 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 Save Africa. Welcome. Hello, Pod Save Africa listeners. Welcome back to another episode. Um, this episode is crucial. It's covering an ongoing situation that's of utmost importance that every listener should be listening out on. Um, and I'm excited to be joined today, not only by my co-host, Akiaria Dearly, but by some very important guests that would really break down the information for us. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, starting with my co-host? Um, I have been the co-host of uh, Potter <laughs> and we have the fantastic pleasure of having uh, a few wonderful guests here who are really helping us pursue this mission of reflecting Africa through the lens of Africans. Um, so these are the Africans whose lens will help us inform um, what's going on in Ethiopia. Um, uh, doctor, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, so my name is Ermias Kabeda. I'm a resident in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm a civil servant in the government. Um, I'm here uh, on a private uh, basis and not representing the government of the UK. Um, mm-hmm. I have uh, worked in uh, community and youth organizations in the Ethiopian community uh, previously. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, for one coming on. We're grateful for your, your, um, your time and your presence here. We think it's critically important. Um, a good place we think to start would be to give you know, our listeners a broad sense of context. Um, our understanding is that Ethiopia has been going through a lot of change over the past few years. Could you help us set the scene for what's 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 going on right now? Yes, so Ethiopia has gone through uh, a, a transformational period in the last five years. Um, so beginning in 2015 and culminating in 2016, there was protests across the country against the uh, government of the time, which was the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front. Uh, The EPRDF was headed and pretty much run uh, by the uh, Tigrayan People Liberation Front, the TPLF, um, which was one of the four coalition partners. The protests mainly within the Oromia region and the Amhara region involved many of the youth. Uh, Some of your listeners will be aware that Ethiopia uh, is 70% of its population under the age of 35. So this was really a youth-led protest movement. In the Oromia region, the youth uh, were known as Kero, which means youth in Oromifa. Um, And in the Amhara region, um, the youth were known as Fano, um, which is a sort of um, organization, usually a military style organization within the Amara region through, through volunteers uh, and mainly farmers. Uh, and that goes back to the uh, olden times of the kingdom. And these two um, youth organizations put a lot of pressure on the government. There was some 
um, gun battles um, uh, between uh, Fano and the uh, state or regional um, uh, forces. There was a, a lot of uh, deaths uh, from these protests, um, imprisonment, torture. So it was a very difficult time in Ethiopia. Uh, and within uh, 2016, a state of emergency was put in place, which tried to restrict these protests. But of course, um, the tide had turned. And by 2018, uh, we had a change within the ruling party. Um, the then uh, leader of the EPRDF, Haile Mariam Desaleng, who's pretty much uh, under the control of the TPLF uh, and under their pressure. Um, he uh, resigned from his position and a new leader was elected um, from the EPRDF. Um, the leader was Dr. Abiy Ahmed Ali. Um, he was chosen mainly through the support of uh, the other um, coalition partners. So as well as the TPLF, you have the Oromo People's uh, Democratic Party, um, the Amhara People's uh, Democratic Movement, and the Southern Ethiopian People Democratic Movement. And it was really the Amhara and the Oromo group um, which got Dr. Abi into power in 2018. Thank you for, for providing that context. Um, I'm, I'm, I have the pleasure of also welcoming Sami. He just uh, arrived on the call. I'm welcome. We hope your trip went well. We're grateful for your, your time here. Um, uh, Dr. Mess was just helping us understand the context of um, Ethiopia and the transformations it's had over the past five years. Um, and just before we kind of dive into a few of our other questions, we'd love it if you introduce yourself as well to our listeners so that they can get some sense of who, who we have on the call. Cool, cool, cool. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Hi, hey, how you doing, doctors? It's been a couple of days. Um, uh, my name is Samuel Gibber-Hewitt. I am a uh, Eritrean born here in the United States. Um, I, uh, I grew up in a uh, Christian household and uh, not so, uh, the diaspora community was quite, separate from the the, the the tribal dynamics from back home so I didn't really grow up with 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 the complications but I mean I've seen things here and there but I have a background in uh, political science and government uh, and also um, got into entrepreneurial tech tech and entrepreneurship uh, right, right now I am, I am a pan-african consultant I do projects for the African Development Bank as well as currently, as well as the UN. And um, now I am uh, more or less doing social enterprise on the side, as well as podcasting. And um, yeah, I, I, and I have a, I'm a more or less of a history buff. Fantastic, fantastic. Great introduction. <laughs> we appreciate your time, Daniel. I thought you want to take us on to the next set of questions. Well, I mean, if one of you could just walk us through the transition in Ethiopia right now. I mean, from our perspectives, what we saw was this new change in Ethiopia that had brought many promises. It was uh, uh, it was great reflection. It was kind of hopeful for the rest of us that are Africans and exist in other African countries of what good could look like in a country. And then all of a sudden, we're seeing news and hearing reports of the conflict in the Tigray region and um, of suppression of news um, in that region and from other regions as well. And so if you could, if you don't mind just walking us through the transition of the period in which um, the prime minister came into power and what is going on right now. Well, uh, Dr. Ermis, I think I, I was hoping he ran through a little bit. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure he got some of the uh, good context out of the way already. Mm -hmm. But um, so uh, upon Abi's uh, arrival to to power to as prime minister, um, it was it started off very shaky and every turn and twist. He was he was more or less being blocked or hindered 
by let's just say forces that would that does not appreciate some of his motives some of his intentions and it, it gen I would I genuinely want to think that it mainly it, it was what kicked off this this animosity this political animosity from groups must have been the peace that the the peace that he wanted to establish with Eritrea and uh, that triggered you know the the ruling coalition of the TPLF because they see they saw it as you know they they saw it less as Abi is trying to broker a peace between hostile hostile neighbors in the region uh, and they saw it more as Abi's siding with the enemy it, i would i would i i personally thought of it as the the you know him trying to be a mediator in some sense with regional government and Eritrea um and I think that I'm, you know, it's not that I think I know that's what more or less started the 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 problems that trickle down to what we see now, um, and and that that's what started it. There's, a, there's so many things that that kept putting more and more wood into that fire, um, but it was a tug of war for for legitimacy and I guess in some sense um, maintaining the status quo. Uh, those who wanted to maintain it obviously were the ones who the, the minority group that stayed in power that had an inequitable amount of power in the country for only being a minority of the group um so that's it and you know there's there's plenty of there's plenty of like small like small episodes that can that if you put them all together it looks like a whole vivid season of a netflix show if you just put all these things together you can see how it just trickled down to what we at now um, but it was just more or less a political tug of war where the ruling coalition refused to, it, it, but, you know, it, Abi did slowly at, in the beginning, when he realized that the pushback he was getting, he wasn't hesitant to remove corrupt officials from power or have them arrested or called for the arrest of many people who were, you know, because upon, upon his, upon his, you know, what he wants, he hit the stage releasing political thousands of political prisoners and that was a grand move for a young leader young the youngest leader in Africa and it, it was um it was again a, it, it's a pushback it, that's what most political prisoners mainly were during a certain time when you know the prior administration the prior coalition was in power so what again he was pushing another another button of the TPLF by releasing those that they in, in, imprisoned you know, and making peace with the, with with their enemies. So it it looked it looked again like another stab towards the the, the former uh, ruling coalition. Um, and you know, it, it's it, I, you know, Aramis, stop me anytime you want. By the way, I know you're tired, but stop me anytime you want. Um, uh, but uh, he's still here, right? I hope he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, he is. Okay, okay, okay. I just have to swipe. Just a yeah. Yeah. um. So, so uh, you know, in every turn and every twist, and then you know, he did reshuffle several times. He had to remove and 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 substitute and did a whole reshuffling of the system, mainly in the military, in the in the military leadership, um, and as well as former uh, officers and uh, form, former former anyone who was who has blood on their hands, essentially. He was slowly and slowly, and removing Tigrayan officials from power, whatever, and, and you know, there was a slow, slowly and slowly, he was encroaching onto their, um, this, the, the, the idea of their supremacy was being threatened by Abi. Their dominance was being threatened by Abi, and they saw that as a threat to their the longevity of their dynasty, if you want to put it that way. Um, so that's, that's more or less, you know, it, that's kind of, uh, I mean, there's, the, we, there's several more, many more episodes I can bring up because I've been, I've been glued to Abi since he, since he got into his position. So there's many more episodes that happened that, you know, it, it but, but the main trigger points were, uh, you know the 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 elections seems like one of the like the, the, probably the more the more like the, the, the focal point the pivotal point 
of where this conflict more or less started. And it was, it was the, I mean, if we, we can keep going, like there's plenty, there's plenty of situations, but the, I believe the, the elections that were illegitimate that was being held in the Tigai region uh, was, and then they decided, they, they made a move towards self-determination and secession. Like, like what they did was a quasi secession on the outside, it looks like they're just hosting elections. They're just running elections. So what's the problem? And the, the diaspora is painting the picture. Like, what's the, what's the problem with them holding elections? If you see their track record of elections, it it's unrealistic. That's that's my that's everyone's problem. It's like they they sh the their elections have always been overwhelmingly de challenge uh, debatable. Let's just say. You know, it's questionable. I think that's the best question. That's the best word I can use. Um, and and so that's so the postponement of elections. Um, you know, it was and and on top of that, the 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 biggest trigger that happened was uh, after the elections was held. The there was uh, movement of military uh, leadership, uh, particularly in the Northern Command, uh, was being. Sub, there was a, there was going to be a change in leadership in the Northern Command, uh, and Tigray uh, Tigray and uh, TPLF officials said, "This is the last straw. We've seen all the moves you've made. We've seen all we we've noticed the 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 troop movement, which is what you're setting up, and your 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 alliance with the dictator Isaias Safwerki. We don't trust you, and now we're taking we're com they commandeered the Northern Command by attacking it at night and." Killing their own brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, most likely. Um, some they, they, there's uh, speculation that in, that the off the commanders and officers are still alive, but it's according to the army chief of staff, it's just speculation. He hopes they are. Um, and uh, Aramis, you can you can I'll I'll, I'll pause myself because I know I know there's plenty of gaps you can fill in. So I mean. I think the frictions between the TPLF and um, the Abiy administration, you can begin it in the early parts of his administration in 2018, where he decided to go after um, people who were either corrupt or undertook what he said in his first um, in his first speech to parliament, what he said was state-sponsored terrorism. Um, so he went after the um, military and the political leadership of the TPLF um, and decided uh, to, to take some of them into, into the justice system. That was number one. Then number two, he decided that the EPRDF as an as a political organization was no longer sufficient. And mm -hmm. so he created a new political party called the Prosperity Party. The Prosperity Party removes this um, domination of the four groups mm -hmm. uh, and removes um, the focus of that coalition party and creates a single party which then takes on all other groups from different parts of the country. So making the tent much larger, but making it more unified. That uh, the TPLF did not like and decided they weren't going to join um, that party. On top of that, they felt that was a move against the system that had been in place and that they'd put in place, which um, is not called ethnic federalism within the constitution, but we all know it to be ethnic federalism. Um, and they felt he was trying to move away from that and create a central centralized government. Yeah. So let's take a let's take a, a good a real quick pause. Uh, listeners will be right back after a very short break. Welcome back, Port Save Africa listeners. Um, thank you for allowing us that short break, and now we'll get back to the discussion. I get your next question. Awesome. So, sure, happy to. Um, you guys have been fantastic in providing some context on 
one kind of overall, you know, it helps political dynamic and then diving into, you know, Prime Minister Abiy, it sounds like he's been under a lot of pressure over the past two years. Um, I can't imagine how complicated the, the workings of trying to, you know, figure out a new power situation with a, a set of people you just effectively um, beat out of the presidency. Um, and, and it seems like things have now boiled to, to a head um, at this point. Um, Sami, you started to touch on it. Um, can you just detail the events? You know, what actually has happened over the past couple of months um, and what's going on to today? So also keep in mind, uh, there have been two attempts on the prime minister's life. Uh, one of them was the bombing uh, that occurred in his uh, more of less an inauguration event that occurred. Uh, the second one, I think this was a clear when they were there, there was some sort of uh, like a like a like a like a like a pseudo coup that more or less tried to happen where a battalion of soldiers uh, were protesting uh, for a pay raise. And they marched down the streets of Addis Ababa, guns, guns in their hands, marching down. And then um, Abi, instead of staying in the parliament building or wherever he was, he came, addressed them head on, knowing that anyone can just shoot him in the head, came downstairs and more or less, you know, loved. He he showed a lot of charisma. He made them do push-ups. He pushed with them. No one, no one knows. After that, everyone calmed down. Everyone left, and all those soldiers are still in prison to this day. But we, we don't really, we, we're not gonna. That's 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 what happened. Um, and so so just keep in mind that, that this man has been under a whole lot of stress, and I believe his family. He had to send his family abroad just to keep them safe. So he's alone and he's, he's been under a heavy amount of pressure and uh, stress from the parliament, stress from, you know, they've been pushing towards him making actions, deliverable actions towards the, the, the former ruling coalition or the, they still a ruling coalition because they still maintain a, a dominance over the military and the economy. So, so after the, so post election, so post these, these elections, the Tigrayan elections, um, they, they, they actually, Right before they held the elections in Tigray, they they had a military parade to show their force, to show the people, to show to show everyone their bravado, their their machismo, their 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 the what they're willing to do, how far they're willing to go for their right to determine their destiny. So, mind you, to according you know according to the constitution, according to central government, that is. Illegitimate. That's an illegal thing. What they're doing. Keep in mind that. Um, but but their move. So 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 now after the election, it wasn't. It was deemed illegitimate. Their election was deemed illegitimate because the the, the Ethiopian Board of Elections um, Commission for Elections uh, or Election Commission they deemed it illegitimate. So or rather they 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 yes more or less. I'm just going to say that. Um, so then the allegation, so then the, what the main, the day this operate, this law enforcement operation started was when the prime minister announced the attack, the, the, the three allegations that he made a public statement about. And it was, it was on that day where he cut off, I think it was either that day or the next day where he cut off uh, access, tele, telecommunications access uh, to the, to the Tigray region. But um, he, he made three allegations. One was the attack on the Northern Command, right? Uh, the second, I believe, was that they were manufacturing, that, 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 that they were in some type of facility somewhere in the Tigray region, that they were manufacturing uh, army fatigue uniforms of Eritrean soldiers. And the, the purpose of that was so that they can basically try to create a, a propaganda they were trying to push create and push a propaganda saying that the Eritrean soldiers are now invading they're now they're now pressing forward into Tigrayan lands which would have provoked it would have not only provoked a conflict with with Eritrea but it would have uh, derailed the entire peace agreement uh 100% um mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry there was a th the third allegation was um uh, basically, it was the illegitimacy of the elections. I believe so. Uh, doc, doc, doctor, uh, you can you know cut me off if I'm if I'm incorrect. 
but uh, those were those were those three allegations he made on that first one. Remember? Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think one of the uh, you know the the main one which he stated as crossing the red line was the attack on the Northern Command. Um, this attack happened during the night. The um, to TPLF spokesperson and the, their head of strategy, Getacho uh, Reda and Sukure Su, Su, uh, um, uh, Getacho, um, basically spoke on the TPLF media, Dimse Wayani, and admitted that they were the ones who attacked the Northern Command first. And they used the term anticipatory self-defense. So Wait, this was self-defense. <laughs> and uh, I saw the that, that news item in which uh, their head of strategy was trying to explain this. Uh, and really, they found themselves in hot water because they just admitted to the world that they were the ones who started the conflict. And so a lot of international governments, including the United States, condemned that. Um, so, but the gruesome nature of that attack was that they attacked the Northern Command during the night. Um, they then stripped them of their uniform and left them for vultures to attack them. And so you saw the head of the army quite emotional, as you is under, uh, as can be understood, explaining this, and explaining how how that was a betrayal, you know, of, of the people. The Northern Command has been within the Tigrayan region ever since the Eritrean Ethiopian War, uh, as a as a um, standing force ready to react at any point. And so it has been a part of the mission to protect the Tigrayan people. And so has worked quite closely with the regional government, uh, the regional forces. Um, and for that, after 18 years, for, for that to culminate in this uh, level of an attack, was was very surprising to the Ethiopian people and very shocking. Um, and, and and just to kind of touch on that a little more, if you don't mind me asking, what, what's the general feeling in Ethiopia, the Ethiopian people, um, broadly? You know, how are they feeling about this? I can imagine the the level of turmoil must be ridiculous. But where's the where are the people? What are they thinking at this point in time? The people are very much in support of this law enforcement operation to the extent that even the people um, uh, are donating their money, their clothes, food, cows and sheep to blood. support the and their blood. Yes, there's blood donations as well to support this operation. Of course, within Tigray, the Tigrayan people are the ones which are being impacted the most in this time. Uh, and that impact has been seen in the amount of refugees um, migrating towards the Sudan border uh, at about 30,000 people. Um, now, the interesting thing is the Assistant Secretary of State of the United States gave a press conference just two days ago, Tibor Nagy. And uh, in that, the ambassador to Ethiopia um, made a statement which was very surprising in which he said, we have asked the Ethiopian government if they would open a humanitarian corridor. And they were receptive to that request. But when we asked this of the TPLF, they did not address it at all. So it quite clearly shows that the TPLF's uh, tactic is to use the Tigrayan people there as a human shield so that any attacks coming from the army will be uh, turned into propaganda, which we're seeing quite a lot 
um, in, on the internet and even being taken in by Western media uh, as the Ethiopian army uh, attacking civilians. Mind you, this is a tactic similar, this is a guerrilla warfare tactic similar to what Hamas is accused of doing by, by basically putting their, um, their they, they're hiding their war facilities in public facilities like libraries, schools, universities. They're, this is a, it's, it's a strategy, hospitals, it's a strategy to, so that precision airstrikes will, 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 will not strike these facilities or for, because they're trying to minimize civilian casualties. So they, while knowing, and because they, everyone wants to avoid war crimes. So knowing that they'll just put them, they'll put their, the, you know, you know. So, so it's very interesting because it seems the TPLF has modeled a lot of this operation, a lot of their actions around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, so this anticipatory um, uh, self-defense lightning attack they, they did was a similar situation to what Israel did in the Six-Day War. Um, the other uh, thing that they've done is um, sending rockets into densely populated areas. So they've sent rockets to Bahardar, and Gondor, which are which are two major cities in the Amhara region, uh, and also, of course, we know the day after that they sent rockets into Asmara, uh, which is also the capital of Eritrea. Um, so, so you know, um, the TPLF are committing war crimes. Um, one of the most shocking war crimes they've committed in this conflict is the. Uh, killing of 500 people in the Maikadra uh, province of Tigray, in which you had laborers mainly from the Amhara ethnic group, but some Oromo and Walaita, which were killed as they were, uh, as the TPLF militia was put, being put under pressure by the army. So they killed them with machetes and stab wounds and uh, then ran away. Uh, and when the army came in with volunteers um, uh, supporting humanitarian aid, they found these corpses and they interviewed some of those who were able to, to um, flee from this and they explained that the TPLF militia did this. Amnesty International spoke to those volunteers who, who spoke to the, uh, to the victims uh, and that's when Amnesty International came out with this. Uh, and there was a, a condemnation of this by across, uh, across the international community. Uh, and then later on, uh, we see some propaganda which the TPLF have played uh, and they've got some of the um, refugees to claim it was actually Tigrayan civilians who, who were killed. Um, so it's very sad. Also, keep in mind that the they were the narrative is is constantly trying to be controlled by by several factions in this one, and no no all factions. If anything, you know, Abi, the DPLF, and the and the worst, the diaspora are are all fighting for the control over this narrative. Now, this is a very important one, right? The the, the massacre that occurred. They, they, you know, the the counter argument is that that occurred, um, that occurred when the Ethiopian Defense National Defense Force came in. They're the ones who did it. When in fact, it, the like there is literally no way that's possible because Amnesty International, humanitarian workers, as well as um, uh, the regional uh, media me, media house, so the so the media is following the military as they're liberating these towns and when they are when since since like it, it would have taken it would have taken it, it, apparently like it, more or less it would have taken the military 10 minutes to, to slaughter these 500 people if 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 the media was literally with the military it would have take it they would have had to done this in a ridiculous amount of time so with machetes, it, it, with machetes yeah they were being yes yes oh, jesus so 
Yes, it, it would have. It would have. T- there was no way it was the Ethiopian Defense uh, uh, National Defense Force. No way. But that's the counterclaim. There's a big counter. Every like, there's a big counter narrative that's being constantly pushed, and it's it's devoid of major facts. It's it's bias in its tone, in its in its delivery, in its everything. Like I and. It's it's in it's becoming it's becoming a divisive mechanism to uh, here in the diaspora at over there you know everyone's suffering over there and you know what I want people to do I I'd rather you know the narrative focuses on the humanitarian like the humanitarian cost of this of this operation is going to be where I think all our energies needs to be put at instead of who's to blame. Is it the dictator? Uh, is it the dictator Abi that's best friends with Isaias, the dictator Isaias? Or is it the TPLF mafia that's been, you know, in, for their 20 something years, 28 years that, you know, is it them with their 28 years of, of, of absolute control and, and, you know, a, 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 you know, just, just ravaging of human, of human lives. Yeah, or or you know, like you cannot compare the two years of Abi with the the decades, the almost three decades of them. You know, it's 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 not equal. You know, in terms of the pain output, in terms of the 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 loss of wealth of the entire of the people of the nation, of the capital flight that occurred, of the of the massacres, of the of the uh, too many. There's just too many stories to count. You know, there's too many charges to count. So. Where we are now is is the division. The divi- like where I think I think the better question is why hasn't the because it was clear that Abi gave a three day a three day notice a three three day notice. I'm sorry, I'm making it sound like it's an eviction. He gave a three day warning to the TPLF leadership, telling them in Tigrinya. He told them, you know, basically. All 36 of you who have a, an arrest warrant, step out of the city, get, arre- get this arrest, get a- or we'll come and get you. And anyone in our way is, is a problem and they will be, it'll be solved. So, so it's either don't sacrifice your people for your, to, to, to keep your wealth or, you know, surrender to save your people. Um, and they will choose to themselves over their people because they don't want to give up their what they've what they've worked so hard to stealing and 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 the blood money that they've collected is 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 enormous. So it's hard to give up power. It's an addictive drug. Can I've, I add? Yes, please add. Can I add the the third charge? Actually, Sammy, uh, I remember now the third charge that uh, uh, the prime minister put on TPLF was that they were fermenting. Uh, uh, destabilization of the country to try to make the country ungovernable by supporting groups who are committing um, terrorist uh, and genocidal acts within the Oromia region, within the uh, Benenshagungal region, and within the southern region and it was these attacks had an ethnic basis in which the Amhara minorities within these areas were the ones which were being killed in the scores Um, and this has happened for the last two to three years Uh, culminating mainly in this last year we've seen so many deaths um, uh, that have happened and the TPLF have been coordinating, funding, and actually after my cadre, uh, executing these terrorist activities. So, so that's uh, one of the, uh, go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I have a question and it's a two part question because uh, the, the first time, at the first one of the first times the issue, what's going on this year came to, came to me was when I was speaking to a friend who's Ethiopian and um, Ethiopian and she's in the US or so she's in the diaspora. And as you've mentioned, there's these different narratives between Ethiopians in the diaspora, between um, the 
and two other groups. So why, what, what do people's, what did, what does the diaspora um, gain from having the different narrative, if, if, if at all, if it's not the right narrative? And also the, the narrative that's painted out to me is that the, the government is not doing any, is one that the government is not doing anything or that two, the government is sponsoring this war somehow. Um, and so in your opinion, what do you think the government um, under uh, Ahmed could be doing better um, or could have done differently in this case? And then if I were to throw one add-on question to that, like you mentioned different narratives and part of the reason we started this podcast is so that people like you could come and say, BBC, CNN, uh, like, you know, broaden your sources, get more information. Um, how how do people approach information finding in this super complicated issue where there, there as you noted, different agendas that want to tell a different type of story? How do we then approach like finding what the actual truth is? So I, I want, sorry, Sammy, did you want to come in? You, you got it, guys. I want to address uh, first uh, uh, the question about narratives, because I was thinking about that as we were talking, and then I'll address uh, about the diaspora and the divide in the diaspora. Same. One thing which has been really challenging for me is about how the Western media have created the narrative and how, for me, it has been a lazy Western uh, generalization and simpler, simpler, simplicity of the of the actual situation uh, in the country, and one thing you tend to see, it's usually middle-aged white men who are creating uh, a business for themselves in which they can go around the media houses and give their expertise on Ethiopia, and it's also an emotional response that the uh, a lot of these news anchors talk about their time during 1983 when there was the famine in Ethiopia and it was the Tigrayan people uh, who were uh, suffering the most at that time and they go back to that time in an emotional um, I was there kind of uh, a feeling and therefore they think that what is happening in 2020 is equally the same without understanding the situation, without understanding the journey, without, uh, you know, being able to see all the different perspectives. And it is the same faces that we see all the time. Uh, and you don't really see anyone, any of the African uh, and, uh, native African experts being able to speak to these, you know? Um, so it gets skewed. In, in in a tinge of um, in a tinge of this new neo-colonialist narrative of look at these poor Africans killing each other, you know, without understanding, you know, the government has said it's taking a law enforcement operation. What has happened in the country for the last three years, you know? Uh, I don't see any investigative journalism that looks into where where where's the money flowing, you know, who's doing the attacking, what groups are they, what are their motives, who is the victims, why why are these victims um, being uh, attacked? So no level of intellectual journalism being applied in this case, or objectivity, or objectivity, yeah. Um, and on the question of the diaspora, so when I lived in Ethiopia um, for my time in, uh, uh, in 2019 to 2020, one of the things which came out quite strongly speaking to people was the next negative view they have of the diaspora, because they say the diaspora shout and protest and all that, but in the end, the impact comes on us. And that is because the diaspora doesn't do what I call uh, responsible activism. It doesn't really think about whether what they're saying matches up with the reality uh, in Ethiopia. Because a lot of them left 30, 50 years ago and are still stuck in that time. And they don't realize what the priority of the people are now. So, you know, 
the three major groups which are quite strongly strong voices in, 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 in the diaspora in Ethiopia, taking into account there's 80 different groups in Ethiopia. The three main ones are the Oromo, the Amara, and the Tigray. So the Oromo have the diaspora come from a time where they fought a, a liberation, Oromo Liberation Front. Um, they were a part of the coalition of, of, of groups which fought against the then military junta, the Derg. Um, of course, the TPLF then overrun the OLF. Uh, and so a lot of them had to flee the country and a lot of them are um, in, in uh, Western countries. The Amhara uh, equally um, uh, on the fall of the Dirk and also during the uh, TPLF regime, a lot of them left the country because of their, their, their problems with them. Whereas the Tigrayan community, some of them um, would have been uh, left during the uh, 80s um, when the, the fight with the Dirk, but also a lot of them, much more affluential, um, uh, have benefited from the government and are able to live quite luxurious lives uh, within the West. And so the, the different uh, dynamics of these groups and the different voices come and are conflicting and also have a negative impact on the people in the country. So, uh, to what well, well, eloquent, eloquently said, um, the diaspora. So, then to the control, the 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 wanting for the dom dominating the narrative, uh, it comes from this this place of not wanting to be on the wrong side of history and manipulating history in 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 a very subtle sense so by saying you know you know people are, are going against war while at the same like the same the, you know every, no one wants war fine no one wants war the the damage is done by war the long-term impact fine you know it's it's understandable but you know the side i said this and i got in trouble for it but i said basically Wolves cannot cry wolf because it sounds like a whole lot of howling. You know what I'm saying? So the it, it, the people who were abusing the system that they legitimately created, you know, now now the uprising against them is here, and there was no there was no backlash from the diaspora and the Tigrayan people. The Tigray, I, I I'm sorry, Eritreans call them Tigray. I know Ethiopians refer to them as Tigray, but I have it. So Tigrayan diaspora has never said anything about the levels of, well, I'm not going to say they haven't said anything, but there's been no movement. There's been no protest. There's been nothing anti-TPLF from the diaspora, the Tigrayan diaspora. And that shows you something right there, that they've, they've been comfortable with a status quo of them being a minority with inequitable power. And power in terms of military and economics. So by controlling the narrative, they're making it seem like they are the victims when they are actually like more or less in some way and manner, not all of them, because there's a plenty of you know poor and, 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 and helpless Tigrayans in the Tigray region, but there's this sense of pride that, and I've, you know, like I've heard many people say, you know, that there's 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 two camps of the diaspora, the Tugrayan diaspora, and it's the camp that can't isolate their ethnic identity from the ethno-political, uh, ethno-nationalist political group, mafia group. And there's there's people, there's Tugrayans who say that those are one and the same, like you, are, to, to be, that's, they're synonymous, which, you know, it's like me saying, like, it's like me saying I'm from the Bronx, so... I'm the Yankees, like, you know, it's just like, it's like, no, I can step or, or, or I'm from the Bronx. So I, I'm 100% married to Blasio or something, you know, it's like some, something it's like, it, I cannot, I can separate identity. Like some people cannot. And it's understandable because there's an ethnic identity in, into it. So I can understand to some extent, but I, I am, you know, I know how to do it. And there's many people who know, and there's many people who cannot do it. Um, 
that's where the big issue lies. It's the it's the lack of the the inability to separate one's one's affiliation one's aff an affiliation. You can't you have to know the difference between an affiliation and an identity, <laughs> um, you know, an identity. Period. So that they so the controlling of the narrative is mainly to push a particular agenda that makes it seem like they are the victims and not, instead of the victimizers. And there's a there's the they're they're tippy toe sidestepping and cha cha sliding around some really good some really pivotal facts some the, the 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 need to know of where this conflict started and what the context is they will never mention it because they're gonna say I stand with Tigray, I and no peace uh, no war in Tigray, you know and and that's you know there's there's, there's good in that message. You know how can you argue against that message? But at the same time, they're they're only and then they come out with uh, they work very coordinated and by by the way they're very coordinated in how they create accounts and it's been it's they they came out with the statistics about the new amount of Twitter accounts that was created in the last week or two or two two and a half weeks on how they've been going anti government anti obby anti government tweets or you know hashtags has been being used so, so there's a very collaborative thing that's that's amongst amongst us we we, we refer to them as digital wayane it's 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 i i, I don't want to call it like an ethnic slur but it's a way it's how we how we call uh diasporas who support the the TPLF mafia in 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 with a blind eye on their on their on the actions and their the devastating the devastating things they've done to the country and pillaged the the people. Fantastic! Thank you so much for for clarifying that. I think, and and you guys are really just making this so much evidence. The need for getting as many different you know getting around their perspective. You can't just listen to BBC or talk to the one friend. Um, have conversations like this, get it, and understanding, and then maybe this provides an additional lens for us to evaluate the truth. Like, okay, we're hearing this news. Is this objective? What are they saying in specific? What is Amnesty International saying? What uh, what are all the different stakeholders saying to paint a picture of what's actually going on? I think that's that's the information you guys are sharing with us at this point. Um, I think we have a little bit of time, but I'd like to ask this 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 uh, final question. I unless you if you had something else. Um, no, I'm ahead. interested. Okay, I'm interested in figuring out, you know, we all want the ideal situation, which is as peacefully as possible, this gets resolved. Um, what do you think that looks like and how likely do you think that is to happen? Go ahead, Doctor. Uh, for me, uh, the only way we can have lasting peace is for the law enforcement operation to um, go through its course. Um, these people, these 36 or so people, um, do not represent 6 million people. But what they do represent is the crimes of over 30 years. And there is no way that I think the Ethiopian people can move on if they are able to get away with that. to be impressed um, because there isn't, it has an impact on the whole fabric of Ethiopian society. And we will never get away from this situation where um, politicians can use their ethnicity to foment hatred towards others or to enrich themselves. So this is a very important moment in Ethiopian history. The question, therefore, is what happens after we arrest these 36 or so people? Because that's not the end of our problems. Ethiopia is, is in a situation where after these 30 years of ethnic, ethnocentric politics, it is in breaking up. And that identity, the Ethiopian identity, has been beaten up so much and we need to mend that identity. We need a truth and reconciliation. We need uh, working on creating 
a society that has a oneness into it, but that's a, that that celebrates the diversity that it has. You know, the similarity between Nigeria and Ethiopia is in this, and that we have diverse people within one nation. And it hasn't always been peaceful having that diverse groups. But in the end, we must put the state uh, identity as paramount before our, our simple backgrounds or our religions or our traditions. Oh, and uh, as well as um, there needs to be, because at the end, the recourse won't be the blowback. It's uh, if the blowback will be mainly, you know, we're going to see insurgency, re retali retaliation after the fact from certain factions that are will lay low. And um, the, 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 there's, a, there's the fear of, you know, so, so who defect or surrender you know what will they do in the long term like are they really like it's there's a whole lot of questions that comes into play especially with the new Tigrayan, Tigrayan provisional government that's been uh, announced and you know what what will what will relations with Eritrea be like there's a whole lot there's a whole lot that goes into this but peace begins when the, like half of all the issues goes away when the TPLF is no longer and I feel I feel that way as as an Eritrean, and I'm I'm well aware many, like most Ethiopians, feel that way. So I, I think that it's 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 for the regional it's for it's for the region's best interest for development and stability to rid the rid these this mafia. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I, I think if it's, if do would you want the KKK? With, imagine, imagine Bill Gates and the KKK are good friends, and and you know, imagine the KKK is like Bill Gates and his friends. Would we want to let them? And if they just, you know, would we want to let them continue if we know who they are? Would we want to let them continue? I don't think it would be scary. It's it's going to be a scary America. This is almost it's almost kind of like that. It, it, it's almost kind of like that, except a lot of people with guns. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one, we're grateful for your time. We we really hope that we're able to draw these act, like perspectives or like what, what do the people actually think? Um, you're not guessing this on BBC or CNN. That's just a fundamental truth. Um, like you mentioned, Emma, sometimes it's the easiest story that gets posted. We Nigerians saw that with NSAs, where the first reports from CNN were like protesters and soldiers clash. Like there was no clash. The protesters were killed by police. Like there's the soldiers, you know. So. Um, of course, you know, our job at Ponte Africa is to, to platform perspectives, get Africans to actually talk about what Africa, what's happening on the continent. And we're just so grateful for your time and for giving us such a thorough discussion on this. Um, I don't have any final notes, but if uh, anyone wants to say a few last words. Um, no, I, I, thank you again for your time. It's, it's really all about getting perspectives and that's what we're doing here. And so we, Thank you for sharing your perspectives for our audience today. Fantastic, fantastic. Do you guys have any final notes? We have, we have like a minute, but if you have any final thoughts, we'd appreciate it. Um, thank you very much for having us on. I think it's very important to have African perspectives on African stories uh, and African solutions by African people. Absolutely. And that is the way forward for us, I think. Very well and said. I'd like to give a plug to the... African Leadership Academy uh, and their, their uh, agenda to create 3 million African leaders, youth African youth leaders in the next, uh, by 2030. So. Wow. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, we'll reach out and get kind of your information for where they can find your thoughts, perhaps you share on Twitter or blog and we'll share that in the post. But listeners, this has been Akande Oni Consular Ermia Sasami with Port Save Africa. Thank you so much for listening. There you have it, listeners. That is our episode of this week. As we mentioned earlier, we are aware that this is one perspective on the ongoing issues in Ethiopia, in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. And so we were reaching out to you all if you have alternative perspectives and you would like to share it with the rest of our listeners, please be sure to reach out to us uh, through our email address at 
which is podsaveafrica at gmail.com or on any of our social media, Twitter at podsaveafrica. Uh, the O in the pod is a zero and on Instagram at podsaveafrica. Um, we will continue to make sure that we present you with information that is as accurate as possible. In the meantime, please be sure to follow us on all social media and be, and be sure to rate the episode on any of the platforms you listen. Thank you.